Welcome, everybody, to our first inaugural Inferno cast. I am Inferno Fox, and this is a part of our Inferno Fox gaming channel. And this essentially is going to be uh, myself and a lot of my good friends. We're going to be discussing video games and various topics in regards to uh, this favorite hobby of ours. And I just wanted to It'll be more so like a bunch of friends hanging out, so it'll be a kind of kind of a nice, relaxed vibe, and definitely welcome to have you have have us in in your home, as it were. And just want to go ahead and introduce myself. If you've been watching my videos, you've of course heard a bunch of me, but just as a reminder, um, I am Inferno Fox, the owner of this channel. I've been playing and enjoying video games for a little over like 35 years. Yep, I am that old. And video games is just definitely one of those hobbies that that I love and anybody who knows me could could and would definitely say the same. And I wanna go ahead and, and take the time to introduce my esteemed guests. Uh, again, they've been friends of mine for, friends and family of mine for over 20 years and uh, lucky, to, lucky to have them uh, join me here. First, I want to introduce Simbu Darkfang, and he's been with the Basement of the Dead for 25 years and video gaming for over 30 years. And he is a horror game aficionado and definitely a masterclass of video ga games themselves. So Simbu, thank you again for, for joining us. Oh, it's great to have. Um... Just one little uh, correction. I've been with Basement of the Dead for 10 years, but haunting, haunt acting for 25. So ah, so you so you've been Sorry. haunting our halls with your your scariness for 25 years. <laughs> yes, excellent. Th thank you for that. Uh, and again, Basement of the Dead. That's in Aurora, Illinois, and uh, definitely recommend checking them out if you're in the Chicagoland area. And I'd also like to introduce Storm Rose Sky. She has her own Twitch channel named aptly Storm Rose Sky, and she's been gaming for over 35 years. Storm, thanks again for joining us. Hello. And I know you're so ancient there, Glenn. You know, <laughs> it's hard to think I've known you since you were itty bitty. So it's fun to uh, be here. As you know, I, I game very little, but I like it. I like watching people play games. Um, and I have a very good attitude about it, as you know. So if I win, I win. I don't, I don't. Guess what? I play again. So and I'm just like making fun of people who take it way too seriously as well. So that's <laughs> always fun. And during when not gaming, I'm a writer, photographer by day. So there you go. Ah, th excellent. Th thank you, Storm. Appreciate it. And, and appreciate you joining us here. And definitely look forward to... Uh, you contributing to our discussion. And finally, I want to introduce Astromedes. He's a professional software developer by day and video game development hobbyist by night with second place games. And he too is a gamer of over 35 years. Astromedes, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Glenn. Uh, glad to be here. Awesome. So, the general format, I just want to kind of jump right in here. And the the biggest topic around this time of the year, and with it being June, mid-June, this is like 
my Christmas time, essentially. If you're a football fan, it's like the Super Bowl because anything and, and everything video game wise is being discussed, introduced and being debuted to to uh, everybody, to the public and the, the video gaming world. And it's something that we call like, of course, E3 season, although this is the, I think the third year that E3 is itself has been canceled. And uh, general reminder for those who may not know what E3 is, it of course is the uh, electronics gaming expo that, that that had taken place in like LA since like the late nineties. And it, it had been the premier event that introduced stuff like the PlayStation one, uh, the Sega Dreamcast, PS2, the and then more infamous stuff like the Sega Saturn and the Wii U and so on and so forth. So it's really well known, um, but it's been canceled. And there's been a lot of shows and everything like that that have taken its place. And this year has been no exception. We've seen a lot of um, trailers and games and everything like that from the big three that of course being Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo. Though as of the recording of this podcast, Nintendo's Nintendo Direct has been announced, but it has not been revealed what they're going to be showing. That that is going to be tomorrow. So we're right in that that awkward sweet spot of that 24-hour period where we don't know what's coming, but it's gonna be it could potentially be something great or not. It's like Schrodinger's cat or Schrodinger's uh, Nintendo game reveals, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, want to go ahead and discuss what, what we know, kind of what we've seen so far from like Sony, Sony's shows, Microsoft shows, um, even like other third-party developers such as like Capcoms and Ubisofts, if, if we're at all familiar with anything like that. And uh, I know our experience levels and in, in, in really like news, how, how much we all monitor the, the news varies between e each and every one of us. But I, I really, all, all four of us here game at some, some way or level or whatnot. So it's really going to be like, well, it, what's shown may end up impacting us. So I just kind of want to open it up. Uh, Simbu, if you want to, Give me your general thoughts, and you're you're my guy in regards to to Sony stuff, and I, I and regarding the the show that they had that they had, what were your general thoughts? What had you excited, and what do you think Sony could have done better? Um, sorry, I got uh, Jason the Thirteenth messaging me right now. Apparently, he's having some issues getting in. Um, honestly, when it comes to the PlayStation showcase, um, it was a bit lackluster. Uh, I mean, Sony's always been known, especially for first party developers to come out and just crush anything and almost everything, you know, uh, Nintendo aside, uh, for releases. Um, however, this showcase kind of was a bit back on their heels. Um, now, 
you know, they showed off a CG for Helldivers too, which looks fantastic. I can't wait to see more of that. Um, I'm excited you know, about that one too. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, it looks amazing from what I know of the first one. It was like a top down sort of game. This is going to be like a, a TPS over your shoulder, which holy cow, if things I've heard about the first one are anything to, to uh, take into consideration, the second one is going to just be extremely intense. Yeah, I played um, a lot of the first one. Uh, I think I think it's the kind of game that actually could really benefit from the kind of like higher budget uh, polish up and uh, kind of move to a big fancier engine sort of thing. I'm really curious about it also. Yeah, um, I, I agree, uh, especially when you have such uh, in like intense battles and things like that, you know, bringing that camera in close. I mean, even if we were to do that with like a Diablo uh, would definitely ramp up, you know, any intensity in any game. Um, moving on, though, I don't want to take up too much time here on one game. Uh, the other one. The other big one, obviously, Spider-Man 2. It yes. was a great to actually get to see gameplay for that. Uh, it looks great. The tag team between Peter Parker and Miles Morales looks seamless uh, as far as the showcase was concerned. Now, of course, when the games do release, there's going to be bugs. You know, it it's inevitable. Um, but, but one of the things with Sony releases is the fact that I feel like they they Sony releases themselves tend to really tend to come out with like the least amount of bugs. They they seem to be solid performances. It's not anything that's oh let's say uh, Redfall territory. We're not we're, stuff like you know God of War and uh, Horizon, everything like that. Like it, it, they all seem to release in in really good shape. It's so it. it even if there are bugs, it's not anything that's like game breaking. I can't remember, correct me if I'm wrong, Simbu, but I can't remember like the last time a Sony release came out, Sony first party release came out that was in such a poor buggy state. I wonder to myself sometimes if a studio like Sony that's uh, releasing games on a console, especially con a console that is... Uh, kind of famously uh, nice to develop on from developers. Uh, I wonder if they just have like more of a engineering powerhouse. So it's like less likely, like they're still going to rush things. They're still going to have bugs, but they're probably maybe less fall on your face bugs. Um, I would, I would have to agree. Uh, Astromedias, I, I will, I, I do believe that that is a, a high possibility. The other thing that is a potential, uh, a high potential is the dev kits that these studios work with. Um, <clears throat> you know, as we've seen, you know, we'll touch, I'm going to touch on PC here for a moment, but as we've seen with ports for PC games for PC in general, um, the, the big issue with PC is that before, you know, years ago, back in the, the stone age, you know, you had maybe two or three devs that could, you know, that would design like parts, you know? So you had a, a, a four man dev kit, so to speak, to, to run off of. Now you've got, you know, just so many different developers and computer company, you know, uh, parts company, make, 
companies that, you know, if, you know, the Ryzen 7 is what the game is being devved on, well, I have the, you know, uh, like the, uh, an Asus that an Asus equivalent, you know, and then Inferno Fox has the Intel equivalent, and you, are, you know, have the, I don't know, the Razer equivalent. So you now that's right there. There's four that I've named, and of course, there's a lot more than four out there. Um, so the fact that you know. Sony, yeah, it, I see. Feel is easier to de to dev on because their kits pretty much stay the same. Um, uh, I, yeah, I like, watched like any software, better developer experience often means you know better software. Yeah, that I'm... is very true. Um, I watched uh, Austin. Austin, I believe it was Austin Aries. He did a teardown of the three PS5 series models the 1000, the 1100 and the 1200 and the, you know, the, the heat pipes and heat sinks were different, you know, throughout, but the only major difference was the size of the APU chip, which was in the series 1200 is literally a nanometer smaller than the 1000 and the 1100, but does nothing to change the processing or output power of the console. Yeah, it, it, that that's exactly it. You really hit the the nail on the head. And it's funny I said, oh, so Sony has had perfect first party releases, and as you so succinctly said, not not so much for the the PC side, but it's due due to the wide rainbow spectrum of specs that there are with various PCs and everything. But and it's funny where Sony is really looking to do dual re releases in the future. They're hoping on both their PS5 system as well as on the PC, though they're looking for live service first, live service games first. It's kind of like you, you throw spaghetti on a wall. They're, they're throwing 10 spaghetti strands on the wall, hoping something sticks that, that one of the 10 it ends up like a, a Fortnite or something. And that, that's all they need is one of their live upcoming live service games to, to stick the landing, which uh, I really didn't see. There was only, I think, a couple of the live service games that were that was introduced during the uh, th this Sony broadcast or the, this Sony showcase. And uh, Joey, I, I, simple. I do have to agree with you that this was one of their weaker showcases, which is funny because last year they they called it a state of play because it was only forty minutes, but their state of play was on point. It was like boom, 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 boom. Uh, honestly, it was like how Microsoft's was this year, in, except instead of forty minutes of solid hits, Microsoft's was sixty minutes of it, whereas this this Sony showcase, there were some good ones. There were some kind of, eh, and it just begged the question. There, there, there were some very well-known by being missed entities. Like where was Naughty Dog? Where was uh, in, Insomniac Games? Or, or where were titles like Wolverine? And where was, I, I know I already mentioned this, uh, by mentioning one of the previous devs, but where was the Last of Us factions? And from what I heard, 
Last of Us factions got got rolled back up to the the drawing board because this is a company, the Last of Us team, that are known for single player experiences, trying to do a multiplayer experience, but with Sony acquiring Bungie of, of course, Halo slash Destiny slash Marathon fame, they are are the ones that are sort of overseeing, they were overseeing the development of factions and said, sorry, team, you guys are doing this up to where you should be and have had to scratch a lot of the work that they've had to do. But that's a good thing because we want a good Sony game. We don't want a Redfall. We we don't want that. So that, because that, that almost was the nail in the coffin (laughs) for, uh, for Microsoft, if, if Microsoft and Xbox didn't come to play a, on their showcase, then they were going to be in a world of hurt. Of hurt. But before I, I, I kind of bring us into the discussion of the Xbox stuff, sad as it sounds, there was only like two different things that caught my eye with the uh, Sony showcase. And that would be Foam Stars. No, but not not Foam Stars. I'm not into the the what do they call it? Squadron shooters or territory shooters like Jason the 13th is. Um, I, I I thought the Metal Gear Solid 3 remake looked really, really, that was looking really good, as well as the fact that the Metal Gear Solid collection is going to be coming to all of the consoles, not just the, the PlayStation 5. So th- th- that'll be pretty cool. But of, of course, Simbu, like you had said, Definitely Spider-Man 2. Uh, now, Simba, really, really to everybody here, have you guys played uh, the Spider-Man 1 on the PS4 slash Spider-Man Miles Morales? I have not. I have not. I uh, I have. So, yeah. Um, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, was that experience, was it really good? Did you, is that, is that like God of War 2018 level type experience in your mind or? You know, the one thing, you know, it has great gameplay, uh, takes me back to the art, the Batman Arkham series for, you know, combat, um, as well as, you know, a, a higher polished mobility system as opposed to the Arkham series. Cause Let's be honest, Arkham City's, you know, mobility with the glider needed some work. Um, however, you know, the like I said, the, the biggest plus to Spider-Man, you know, the first one on PS4 was the fact that I did not, and anybody who is a superhero movie fan will probably, you know, tend to agree. I did not have to sit through an origin story. <laughs> exactly. It took up the first 45, you know, minutes of the game where I'm, you know, oh, Peter Parker, I'm so dumb. Oh, I'm yeah, oh, they're like spider. Let me go get bit by him. Oh, Gwen. Ah, Gwen. Mary Jane, whatever, you know. Um that was such a relief that, you know. When the game begins, you've already been Spider-Man for roughly eight or so years, you know, so everyone kind of knows who you are, you already kind of know, and of course, there's a, a, a tutorial, which every game has to have one, you know, you, you can't not have a tutorial in a game, you know, but the tutorial was short, you know, or it was, um, 
situational, situationally impactful. You know, it didn't, you know, put you in front of a training day and say, this is how you punch. This is how you kick here. How do a combo like this? You know, it dropped you into combat and it was like, Hey, these are your, com- these are your, your, your light attacks. These are your heavies. Mix them up and give you some combos. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I haven't played a lot of the, that, uh, first Spider-Man really my, myself, but from my experience, it, it was nice to kind of just jump right into the, the gameplay with the, the little bit of the training wheels there too. But yeah, you, th- that's one of the nice things with this video game series with the, the newest iteration of Spider-Man is it doesn't, tr- it, it, it kind of treats you like, a, like a kid in, in the sense that, you know, you, you got to do the training, but at the same time, it's like, you know who the heck Spider-Man is. You know his story. You know it's the spider and all that stuff. You don't have to get introduced to it a, a million freaking times. It, it, it really gets old real quick. There's three that show how he becomes Spider-Man. So genera- generationally, if you haven't seen one of those three movies or any of the cartoons, well, I mean. Exactly. Why are you playing a Spider-Man exactly. video game? <laughs> Either that or you are, you know, very, very young, which can't really fault you for that one. But this is where, you know, mom or dad or the older brother or sister would be like, hey, you should watch Spider-Man. Yeah, we, we've got like 10 movies released in the last 10 years alone. <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm saying. It's, you know, there's so much... So many, you know, there's at least three origin stories for Spider-Man that it's kind of like, you know, at least big budget. I'm not including all the animated series, you know, that throughout the years. But, um, you know, there's so many big budget box office ones. It's like you should know who Peter Parker is, who J. Jonah Jameson is and how that came to be. Exactly. And it's really cool that. I loved how they introduced the the footage of this uh, of Spider-Man Two because of the fact that it, it didn't look like a Spider-Man game in the beginning of it. When especially when they introduced Craven first, Craven the Hunter, which made me wonder if they were kind of cannibalizing on the up- upcoming movie. Uh, starring was that Aaron J. John- Johnson, Aaron Johnson, somebody like that. I don't know. The movie itself, the Craven movie, is kind of looking like another Mobius. So you know, take take for that what you will. Um, but the I, I really feel like this Spider-Man Two was the most successful of the things featured in the showcase because it was the most amount amount of footage. It really gave an idea for what it was. It gave reveals such as the the very heavily hinted connection between. Peter Parker and Venom, as well as, hey, this is how the game looks when you're playing the game. You are literally watching the game being played here. This is a movie. This is the game. This is the movie, as opposed to the the entire showcase before that, pretty much almost all being CG movies, Um, which is actually a good segue into the Xbox showcase, which that one was essentially it was two hours it was one hour of various xbox game footage and one hour of starfield and i and simbu again i'm hitting you right off with another question based on what you saw with that xbox showcase 
are you buying a Series X? <laughs> wow, I, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I think the other two are just here to listen to the commentary. <laughs> um, no, uh, plain, plain and simple, no. Um, you know, Starfield looks amazing. Uh, it it really does. It, it looks fantastic. This looks like a huge Bethesda Game Studios win. Um, however, you know, I, I I can't simply justify buying a Starfield machine. You know, uh, perfect. You know, thing was when Nintendo went to release Breath of the Wild. There was a lot of people who watched the game like me and were like, oh, man, this game looks amazing. But is it really worth $300 for a Zelda machine? Because that's all I'm going to be playing. And in, I remember very clearly that first month of, of the Switch, it literally was a Zelda machine. Hell, uh, freaking Jason the 13th and I were joking at, at that time that it was, oh, we got our Zelda machine. We're, we're ready to go. Because that, that that it was like that and like snipper clips were like the only two games that came out at that time. And the big difference between now and the uh, the switch then, when and when I say now, I mean the uh, Xbox Series S slash X is there are hundreds upon hundreds of games out for the X, but what what games are there on that system that you can't already play? on the on the ps5 besides halo and forza i mean realistically as far as exclusives not a lot i mean they, they have an exclusive library but it's not it's nowhere near as robust as sony um and this you know uh inferno fox this goes back to our conversation uh, a while back um, when the console war truly broke out, I'm talking Xbox, PS2, um, and uh, what would that have been? GameCube. Thank you. I'm trying to. I was trying to think. It was either we game. It was you know. It was in, around the GameCube era. Um, when that whole war broke out, you know, Nintendo already had Game Boy. They already had DS. You know, or I believe they had DS at the time. Uh, obviously not as we know DS now, but um, they already had their exclusives. They had their, you know, narratives, you know, they had their, their iconic characters and that, you know, stemmed back all the way to the original NES. Um, when, like I said, when the console wars broke, truly broke out, Xbox decided to go towards online gaming they went more towards the multiplayer experience and, you know, kind of, again, when you're, you know, in, in this sort of a thing with between Sony and Xbox, you know, I don't count Nintendo in this conversation because we know what Nintendo is known for. And, you know, we already knew going into the war that what Nintendo was known for Sony yeah, yeah, and uh, to that end, I'll just quickly intercede how Nintendo's always been very, um, lacks about getting into the online space. They're, they they really have more for the most part avoided it. Yeah, they had the the earliest they had an online presence was on the Wii, 
And I think specifically with Mario Kart Wii, that, that was like one of their first online games and they didn't have that many. So it, it's not, the robustness of online connectivity is not something you get a Nintendo system for. Like you're saying, it absolutely is with an Xbox system and um, soon to be with the, the Sony systems as they've developed with the PS3 and especially the PS4. Hopefully I'm not, you know. No. No, you're, you're, you're fine. Your too much there. It's all right. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm talking a lot here as it is, you know, uh, <laughs> the, our uh, two, our two other guests are, you know, going to be tired of hearing about me and probably not going to come back next, next week. <laughs> <laughs> not true. I, I, I was just going to say that I always think of the uh, console wars. It's almost like political parties where it's like people both sign on for the things they think will happen on that console in addition to the things that have actually happened on that console yeah like nintendo is a great case in point because like i feel like nintendo it's almost irrelevant what the launch titles are because you know there's going to be at least one flagship title and that will be enough to be like you said uh inferno fox uh the zelda machine or whatever the case is that generation and that's enough for people to start dumping you know 100 something hours until the next batch of games start coming out yeah and if it's the wii u generation the next single game and yeah that's all you're going to get for an entire year <laughs> yeah that those were dark times for uh, nintendo i think and, and, and it's <laughs> a little so bit funny. of a stumble like the whole idea of console wars, like I, I, all of us grew up with console wars being uh, Nintendo against Sega and how fanboyism. And I, I was a victim of it. Anybody who's listening to my, my uh, videos on my channel here, know, and I will readily admit I was a victim of my own Nintendo fanboyism where I literally slept on a fantastic system, which is the Sega Genesis. Uh, nope, I only could have Nintendo systems. All the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, the Nintendo 64. I, I'm not going to get the, the Sega. And then it's a thing where oh, 20 some odd years later, I'm finally playing these games and they're excellent. And it's a, I feel like console wars have a, can have a place where they can help other game companies and developers innovate and try and make more compelling experiences but we all lose as individual consumers when we gatekeep our, ourselves away from a certain system or a certain experience yeah i there there's i've always you know debated throughout the years about how much i like the ideas of consoles in general like i would say like there was a while you know, where I pretty much sworn off kind of buying a console. It seemed like a waste. I didn't want to get married to that platform when I could just PC game and not worry about it generally. Um, and then, you know, actually probably as I did more software development stuff, I started to kind of appreciate that sometimes you want a dedicated device for a specific thing. And even if I don't own a current console right now, and the only reason literally is money, I probably would get a Switch if I were to get one now. And that's because I feel like the Switch kind of very much knows what it is. It's this cool little multiplayer system that has, you know, titles that you can, you know, rely on the Nintendo quality of whatever and all that stuff. And it's like, it's a dedicated purpose-built thing. Whereas Sony and Microsoft are kind of much more so in the same space, I feel like, with what their consoles kind of are. So it's like they're almost more in competition against each other than they are against Nintendo, because I feel like a lot of Nintendo fans will own maybe one or the other of a, a Sony or an Xbox system, but they'll always have their you know current Nintendo system. And it's funny how there's often a lot, a lot of overlap or attempt, attempts to overlap where 
you had the Wii that came out and then you had Sony trying to copy that with the PlayStation Move and Microsoft with the, the Kinect. And the big question, of course, also revealed in this Sony showcase is, is Sony trying to copy the Switch with that Q device? And it, it, if you can imagine, and I have a, this is going to be a poor example. I have a Nintendo Switch Pro controller it's essentially, pretend this is a PS5 controller where it's an eight inch LCD screen, right? Cut, you cut the controller in half, you wedge it in between the PS5 controller and boom, that's that's the cue. And oh, the cue can't play, uh, it has to be connected online, it has to be connected to the cloud and it has to also use your PS5, which that's also required to, to run it as well. But you could run it on the go, except you can't, run it on the go you can only keep it around wi-fi and your ps5 has to also be connected and yeah i, I wonder run how it on the pace around your house a little bit yeah exactly so it's essentially a, a poop machine you're in the middle of god of war you're, you're you're fighting a boss or something like that and you you gotta you really have to go so you're gonna switch to your queue and take it with you just like the switch because you can just pull it up off the dock and take it in the in, in the pooper with you and game for another 50 minutes, you do your business, fight the boss and collect a whole bunch of collectibles, then get ready to dock it and go from there. <laughs> um, yes and no. I mean, that's probably uh, a fairly accurate, um, fairly accurate. However, when it comes to, let's say, gamers with families, um, they may not have you know, access to the TV, you know, like wife may be watching something, um, you know, or kids may be watching something. So what the benefit, the benefit to that would be being able to grab your cue device and then play while somebody's using the TV. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> my, my only concern, my only counter argument to that is uh, internet connection bandwidth where most people when they're watching something they're streaming and if somebody's streaming how much bandwidth is the streaming and the queue going to be taking from the overall internet connection but what you're describing simbu is exactly the uh incident case scenario for the the queue or like let's say you're at you're traveling for work or something and you know your your ps5 is at home and it's plugged in and everything you can already use your cell phone to play. You can play uh, PlayStation 5 games on your cell phone right now. You can do it. if I think if you're a PlayStation Plus member, this is essentially the same thing, except you have the, the PS5 controller in your hands and the, the LCD screen. So it, it, in a sense, it's I feel like it's kind of like one of those phone things where you put the dock on it with the little joy, joystick things. Maybe that's, that's kind of what the cue is, but just... You know it's Sony. You know it's Sony quality, and and you can kind of take that to the bank. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean to be to be honest, when it comes to that, I don't foresee myself getting it again, because for for the 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 fact of that, it has to be connected to the internet. Like I can't download, let's say, God of War from my system, and then connect to crappy internet at like a hotel if, let's say, I'm on on a trip or something just as a uh, license um, license approval kind of thing. Um, 
so I mean, if it's stream, if it's a straight stream, like similar to what the PS Vita, uh, you're again, you're 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 extremely limited, you know, uh, extremely limited in where and how you can use this machine. Um, and to your point about the cell phone, I could take my PS5 controllers or I could take my PS4 controllers. And I can reset them and I can wirelessly, I can Bluetooth sync them to my phone. So there's no need for the goofy docking thing <laughs> at all. Yeah, I, it's, it's so funny how I'm trying to think of the use case. They're very like very specific scenarios where maybe at, at best something like that could be useful. And it's, it's, it's hard to, to quantify it. And so it's going to beg the I'm question. Stuck. Help, I'm stuck at a family reunion and I hate everybody. I'm going to go hide in one of the bedrooms and play my PS5. And hope you can connect, hope you, you can connect to their Wi-Fi or, real, okay, realistically speaking, use your cell phone as a hotspot. Um, it, it, it's, I, I feel like the use case for that is a marketing use case of let's try to get Nintendo fans to buy this. Because it's like almost even hearing, and I, I don't know if this is actually the case, but it's like the way its limitations are described, it does sound like it probably is, you know, truly just streaming both the input and the output, like, to and from the console. And, like, so, you know, I wonder if there's input lag issues there, too, whatever, and that's not fun, Yeah, if it's, that's it's, the case. Well, not only that, the, uh, the another question uh, will bag the... Uh, output performance of your ps5 long term um by running that by running it not only to play the game because it has to run the game itself but now it has to stream that game instead of like uh fortnite where it only really streams your small amount of data it streams your point from the ps5 your 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 map points or your data points to the Epic Games server. And of course, it it just brings in a ton of data, you know, really not a ton of data because it's only, you know, up to 100 players of, you know, data, which is probably really in the grand scheme of things, not super much because, you know, you think maybe a couple hundred kilobytes, maybe a few megabytes here or there of, you know, skin and appearance, map point, things like that. Um, and that's a custom built solution for that game. So of course they can, you know, optimize the way it works to actually just be a client rather than what I suspect, but don't actually know what this cute thing is, which is more just general purpose, dumb stream back and forth kind of functionality. Right. And, and exactly. Now you're, you're talking, you know, again, and that's also, this is also uh, more uh, another technical side. Astromedia, you'll probably be uh, a little more ear perked at this. Um, internet speeds at your home because yeah, when, when we say, talk about a lot of this stuff, so, sorry to interrupt, but like my thought always when hearing about like kind of, um, when people complain, say when the common online argument you see, when people say, oh, why is this always online? Then the inevitable response, 
what do you care? Everyone's internet connections are good enough to handle this. The truth is not everyone's internet connections are actually good enough to handle that. There's a ton of underserved areas, underserved individual people with bad satellite internet deals and whatever, where, you know, they have a bad connection. And it's like in major metropolitan areas, we don't know. I I feel like that that's a big issue that a lot of these Japanese companies like Sony and Nintendo are really kind of kind of skirting or just making assumptions or or, and or they're just worried about developing for their home country first making the assumption oh everyone's going to be like japan where japan's internet infrastructure is fantastic and uh astrology like like you said like the united states is is a is a big freaking country and it's very diverse in regards to the the level of coverage because you could have a, a place like uh, our buddy Hardicus, who lives in rural Indiana, he has issues being able to connect online. And it, it, there's a lot of people who live in those rural or suburban rural areas that that have that. They'd be lucky if they can get like a 1.4 megabit connections. And something like this, the queue is going to be useless. It's going to be less than useless because simple, like you're saying, not only is this is the PS5 going to be streaming and receiving in, sending out, receiving in, sending out. The queue is also on another connection, maybe the same one, uh, sending out, receiving, sending out, receiving, and that's gonna that that hogs a lot of that bandwidth, and it's going to make something like a fork knife completely impossible to be able to be ran or at least ran effectively. But a device like that would be perfect for something in, in Japan. It, it'd be great for them. That's part of the reason why the Switch is such a huge seller over there. It's not the biggest seller in the world that would belong to, to the United States, but it's still a big reason. And that, that's who Nintendo develops for. Nintendo develops their games for Japan first, and then U.S. is a close second. Well, and... You know, uh, go in a little bit of the tech, uh, a little bit more technical here. Um, for example, let's say I wanted to play. Um, I'm trying to think here. House of Ashes, the Dark Pictures anthology, House of Ashes. I know that's not the most current, um, but this is one that I I did look this up on and where I found these specs. If Let's say I wanted to play with Astromedes, and he doesn't have the game, but I have the friend pass, so I can let him play for free as long as he's playing in my game. Now, he doesn't have the game himself, so I have to share play it over PlayStation Plus and the PlayStation Network. My specs, just to share play the game with him, I have to have a 400 gigabyte downstream stable connection minimum and a minimum of about a six or seven upload is that is that 400 megabyte download speed sorry 400 meg sorry yes 400 meg I, i'm sorry i, I misspoke sorry but, sorry about yeah. that but but that's still that's still 400 meg do, uh, download uh, speed download. like that that can be kind of killer to to especially like my own connection speed is uh, cheaping out a little bit, but I, I've got like a 100 me- megabit and I, I'm doing all, all this stuff here with YouTube and gaming with you guys online and everything like that. And still it, it, it's that low and I could, I'm eligible for one gigabit, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to try to save on that, that money a little bit. Trying to do well, that. And, and, right. And like I said, though, 
you know, the system will detect. And like I said, that's why it has to be a 400 minimum stable. You can't have dips. So like if I have 400 megabit internet uh, or 450, let's say, you know, I get an extra 50 megabytes per second. Um, if somebody decide, if my daughter or my wife decide to jump on the Wi-Fi, guess what? It's gone. I'm done. Yeah. I can't do it. You know, that's, that's really a shame. Like what strikes me about that. And maybe it's because you mentioned, I'm not familiar with it, but you mentioned it uses like a, like a share play feature sort of thing to, to do this. Uh, is that like an outside the game functionality? Yeah. Uh, like a system yeah. functionality thing. Yeah. It's a system functionality. Uh, what it, what it requires is for you to download the demo of the game. And then I basically, my, my game is just filling your, your gaps. Gotcha. Wow. That's surprising that it still require that much of the kind of hosting user, even after the person has downloaded the demo. Cause I mean, my first thought as you described it is, you know, Oh, wouldn't it be simpler if they did a one-time download and then it's like, you've got your, you can always use this while you're playing the shared game sort of files that are appropriately DRM down. So you can't play the game on your own, whatever, but yeah, that's, huh. That's a lot to well, ask of a person playing a game, kind of. Well, see, the, the, the biggest problem with that, though, becomes is if you are able to download the whole file, and it, let's say it locks it, okay? It puts a little pad, a little padlock icon on it. You can't play it. Well, now it's how do I get you into the game with me? Is it through this console invite? And then that also begs, you know, potential questions, um, cross-gen play, uh, cross-gen gameplays, um, things of that nature. Oh yeah. I mean, like I'm assuming if they did something like that, that would all be hidden from the user. Like you couldn't see it in your list of games, but behind the scenes, it would have downloaded whatever. But of course, I guess the challenge there is like, you're on a console, you can't assume you have infinite space. So yeah, I guess I could kind of puzzle through why that is a bit of a challenge uh, in terms of a feature. Yeah, and, and just kind of the stuff like that is going to make it challenging, just to say the least, especially if you're uh, – a lot of these sort of uh, experiences that Sony and Microsoft want to push to gamers aren't going to be applicable to everyone in, in, our, in the United States or even other countries where it's, it's a bigger issue. It kind of reminds me of – how Sega and its 8-bit system, the master system, they kept churning out games for the South American country of Brazil for like 12 or 13 years, so much so that like they had Sega 8-bit versions of Sega Genesis games like Streets of Rage 2 and 3 just because they knew there was a market for, for that lower console in that particular country, but it's going to sell thousands upon thousands of of copies so it's profitable it's yeah, i remember like i remember hearing about that and the reasoning if i remember correctly was that there were a ton of like knockoff hardware lines that would play genesis and a bunch of other console game titles so that's why there was such like a weirdly healthy market for old games there they had new shoddy unlicensed hardware that was running these you know old and you know potentially newly developed uh, one-off games whatever 
and and Sega's like, let's lean into that. Like here, here, let's here, you buy the real thing. Here's the the actual mm-hmm. the thing for the Sega Master System, and it, it's hilarious that that old system le- technically was still active for so many years after the fact, and it's because of that whole market. Now that's not the same thing for uh like china where literally consoles are illegal and they have to sell them as educational devices but we're to we're to we're, we're gonna let's let's sidestep that because we're, we're gonna get quickly off topic um, well, i do want to say one thing about the the whole uh educational purposes thing one thing that i thought was fantastic done by ubisoft in the assassin's creed franchise they have the uh what I what is it called the like historical tour where there's no combat you play as you know Ezio so to let's say and you walk around the streets you walk around the villages and it's all educational um they teach you about like what life was and things like that you get to hear the actual interactions between the people uh they uh, brought it out and they first gave it to teachers um when they first released it to potentially teach kids about, I believe it was ancient Greek. I was, I believe it was Odyssey that was the first one that did. It. Or if it was Origins, it would be ancient. It was Origins, which is ancient Egypt. So that was really cool. It was something awesome. It's a new potential uh, teaching technique for. Because let's be honest, not everybody likes history. I mean, I love history because it's fascinating. But you know, not everybody can really sit in class and be like, oh, and then they would take the log and put it on the fire but like you got a game that's showing you and that's you know visual learning yeah it's uh it's funny too because the the whole educational thing was how like consoles like nintendo leaned into that and said oh this is the iq it it can help you learn and it's really just mario 64 and that that's how nintendo and then soon later sony was able to get into China just they just changed the name of their system uh but one of the things I want to touch on before we, we call it a night because we're we're almost nearing the end here uh surprisingly like the the hour goes by quick um I kind of want to touch back into the uh Xbox showcase and leaning back into that uh Simbu I'm on the same same wavelength as you to where what we saw with the uh, the Xbox showcase, it was fantastic because it was a mix of both gameplay as well as some of the CG trailers. We had hits from Microsoft on, on everything of theirs except Gears and Halo. We have to we have to say that everything else of their their properties we did see hits of. But my for me personally even with how Starfield looks fantastic. And even if I could get a Xbox series S I've seen them on sale. Uh, I think it's a site called Woot for like 200 bucks. They're, they're, they're normally like 300, even with that said, like if I could figure a way to play Starfield on my steam deck, you know, I I'm good. I I'd be gold. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. But, um, Astromedes, have you followed any of the, the, the stuff with Microsoft and their showcase at all? Uh, see i don't think i had a ton of takeaways i mean like i guess like the i think i i watched the uh, fable 
like the fable announcement i mean my sense was this seems neat but like where's the gameplay like how long i assume that's a you know potentially development hell project over there at microsoft <laughs> so yeah like yeah. that that was the one like kind of relevant thing to me and yeah i feel like i've heard rumblings of some big fable experience for like years on and off whatever seems like yeah so i did i played the original fable i think and liked it but found it a little bit uh like you're kind of in a kiddie park and you can't do the really interesting stuff interesting yeah it's and symbol i know you had mentioned that you made the leap from the xbox and xbox 360 to the the ps4 and you really haven't looked back and for me i i don't own a xbox system myself and really it's it's probably going to stay that way like the, the what microsoft had shown at the showcase was compelling but it wasn't going to be enough for me to want want to get that uh and storm i, I i'm gonna call on you here uh, <laughs> what are your have you been following any of the uh game reveals or anything like that so far uh, this month has anything caught your eye you kind of want to be be all about or, or or learn more on um Honestly, my exposure to all of that has been through <laughs> group text, um, whatever links you guys will share. So I don't really follow the news. However, I am excited about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game that is coming out in August. That is going to um, be awesome because I love the Friday the 13th game. And unfor unfortunately, that one's been closed down because, you know, copyright and issue and all that. That's all story for another day. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm looking that, forward be, to uh, that one. That Friday the 13th and the lawsuit surrounding that could be an entire show of itself. There's so much, so much there. Um, I, no. I don't even want to unpack it. Uh, no. but I will agree with you. The TCM game, I, I've been watching the tech test on Twitch. Holy crap! Uh, yeah, if it looks amazing. If you enjoy if you enjoyed Friday the 13th Gun Media has done it, it you can tell that these games are a labor of love for them just yes. the attention to detail of the maps the characters the abilities now in the tech test we only were able to see uh grandpa which is a non-playable character uh the cook the hitchhiker and of course bubba himself yep um but just the level design, the map design, um, the way the characters interact, the way they move, uh, their you know abilities, you know Bubba running around with the chainsaw, you know it, it. You can tell that you know they they took a lot of lessons from Friday the Thirteenth, which was their you know first real game, um, if not their actual first game, and they improved upon a lot of it, but they kept, they, they're keeping that labor of love mm -hmm. to this installment. And uh, to, to kind of touch, touch upon that Astromedes is with your developing experience, it, it, it obviously be safe to say you, you take what you learn on your, your first uh, attempts and whatnot and, and projects and you, you sort of apply them and, and, uh, you you know what works best and what doesn't on on your next projects. Does that seem to be the the case with this? Is there something specific? 
Yeah, I uh, I remember. I do remember. I never played it, but I I kind of looked a lot into the uh, Friday Thirteenth game. I like the sound of it. I like asymmetric multiplayer in general as like a concept. Um, and you know, I like horror stuff as a kind of genre and theme, whatever. Though I don't actually play a ton of horror games. But yeah, I mean, I would think this is almost the perfect opportunity because like the there's. Uh, if you're forced to start new as a developer, it's almost like it's it's bad because it means it's a bunch of time. It's a new time sink, whatever. But it's good because it means you're not married to your old mistakes like you would be in, you know, if you were truly stuck with the old code base or whatever. So, I mean, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, so purely on a technical level, of course, they could iterate whatever and with the multiplayer game in particular i'm sure there's a lot of opportunity to do that uh but it sounds like also i'd be really curious and not knowing a ton of specifics about the uh kind of balance or anything of the first one i'm sure that you know they're also going to iterate on the gameplay balance and all that uh in this one too so yeah it's really interesting to hear uh the uh the texas chainsaw massacre seems compared to friday the turn 13th probably a little more fast and loose with handing out the ip <laughs> just based on uh number of movies that have been remade and i feel like i've seen a few random uh texas uh, chainsaw massacre branded things but it seems it, it seems great as a concept it's the first time hearing of it but like yeah and just you mentioning that they showcase the grandpa as the uh, reveal uh, in the reveal trailer is really amusing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and of course, like that, the fact that, you know, I guess Grandpa is an NPC. He's a non-playable character. You can't pick to play as Grandpa. Um, but he serves his purpose in the game. Uh, as the, one of the three family members, you run around, you collect blood from the buckets, and you feed Grandpa, and he levels up. Every time he hits a new level, he roars, and if the survivors are moving, you know, they get outed on wherever they are. They get outlined to the family. Now... Of course, you know, to make that fair, uh, what they've implemented is the survivors will get a notification about 10, five or so seconds before Grandpa roars, saying that, uh, you know, basically Grandpa is about to roar, stay still. So you have, a, you know, an opportunity to, as a survivor, know that that's about to happen and, you know, negate you getting, you know, outed on your location. Of course, you can, you know, choose to ignore it and say, I, I'm decoy. Come here, you, you big, dumb Lovex love with a chainsaw. You know, I'm right here. Come get me. That's pretty neat. Yeah, mentioning the warning. You first mentioned the mechanic. I was like, oh, that almost feels sort of unfair to the other side to just get kind of automatically outed like that. Though I do like the kind of team gameplay aspect of you all have to work to kind of fuel this ability that does that. But, yeah, that sounds really neat, actually, because, like you said, the... Uh, the potential for counterplay there, like knowing that's the case, intentionally revealing yourself, like, and then the other side having to wonder, is that a trick? I just see the one guy or, you know, was that just, he messed up. That's interesting. Right. Um, and of course, you know, uh, the other thing too, is that as you level up grandpa, there's five stages of grandpa. Um, <laughs> and once you hit level five grandpa, you are not safe at all. It does not matter whether you're still, you're, you know, you're hiding, you are outed because grandpa's, you know, he's ultimate grandpa at this point. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's you, neat because at that point, the team has accomplished like a meta goal, essentially. They've done it whatever, yeah. X times, five times, whatever you said, and then it activates this ability. That feels more fair, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and of course, you know, each uh, each family member can carry different amounts of blood. So, like, let's say Cook can carry a maximum of 100, Hitchhiker, like, 50, Bubba, you know, being Bubba can only carry, like, 30. You know, so, and obviously, you know, it's an experience. Grandpa's level is, like, an experience base. So, Cook can't have 100 run up and just, you know, well, now we got a level three Grandpa after one go. It's like, no, you, you got to build Grandpa up. <laughs> it just, it's all cracking me up i'm sorry level five grandpa levels wow. of grandpa yeah i feel like it's a weird movie title yeah, well, oh, hopefully yes. viewers you, you have not been taking shots every time the word grandpa has been said i'm not li- li- i am we are not liable for your alcohol poisoning we, that's or you have we don't judge <laughs> we don't judge but we're not liable i mean that might not have even been a thing if you didn't say anything so yeah <laughs> I, I, I gotta say it now because now you know it's been oh, said grandpa. we're recovered we're good um, I, I just gotta say one more thing real quick grandpa 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 what's the grandpa 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 <laughs> i just gotta say one more thing real quick beyonce should have grandpa should have won that award <laughs> oh wow put a grandpa oh. count in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh Alrighty, my friends, I think we're going to go ahead and call it a wrap. It's been about an hour here. I uh, want to just say thank you to the viewers, your, yourselves for joining us here, and especially a huge, huge, huge thank you to uh, my cavalcade of characters here. We've got Simbu Darkfang. Uh, he, you can visit him at Basement of the Dead in Aurora, Illinois. Again, Basement of the Dead in Aurora, Illinois. Storm Rose Sky, she's got her Twitch channel of Storm Rose Sky and Astromedes. He is a game development hobbyist and co-owner, co-owner or owner of co-owner second place, of second place of games. Second place games. Um, anything else, guys? Before we we call it a call it a wrap here. Uh, I'll talk more next week. If you let me, if you yeah, let me, I think, <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, next week we could probably cover some of the the Nintendo reveals or whatnot, but that, yes. that's going to be a problem because you might have me talking talk, talking all y'all. Uh, you'll you'll, you'll all. hear my you'll hear my rant about no fucking Animal Crossing, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a software developer. That. I love just talking about things I don't actually have firsthand experience with. <laughs> okay next week with the with you know with inferno fox uh yeah and i'll bring my teddy bear and my blankie yeah i'll take a nice nap (laughs) hopefully it's it's got like a a a grandpa is it going to be a grandpa teddy level level five grandpa level level five level five grandpa teddy bear (laughs) i'll be running out to build a bear tomorrow to go make that god that that, that would make a killer t-shirt level five grandpa his whole like you know his little caption for uh what the stream is about was dreams of a level five grandpa <laughs> <laughs> i i should also mention one of our our normal castmates that will be here jason the 13th you can find jason the 13th at his <clears throat> youtube channel again it's jason the 13th uh, he's got a lot of gaming, Pokemon gameplay. He has some fork knife gameplay, and he is now going through Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom gameplay. So if you want to see him and his his experience, please take some time to check out his YouTube channel. And that that's a wrap. They, thank you again, guys. <laughs>